It's time for JT the Brick. So what do we want to talk about with the Raiders? We're the seventh pick. The Las Vegas Raiders select. It's a big moment for this organization since they moved to Las Vegas. The first four or five picks have to be electric. They have to be great Raider players who are starters, not developmental guys with parking on the practice squad. We're done with that. We have no room for failure. JT the Brick. Oh, a reminder. I want to go all defense. 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 I want to go all defense because the Raiders are loaded on offense, absolutely loaded, and then their defense is vastly improved because of the draft. That's my perfect scenario. So that's what our programming is going to be like as the flagship of the Raiders over the next couple of weeks is the draft. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose, and that's it. Are you with me on that? And now, just win, baby. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT in studio today with Bobby as we open up the show on the flagship. Of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and that great Raiders mobile app. A lot happening today. Really big show brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. 5 to 7, midnight to 2. PT's fuels the monologue as I am standing up in the studio and I am ready to roll. This ought to be good. All right, so we got Kevin Ioli coming up for the fight. The fight's a massive fight coming up here. Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, I'll be ringside for that on Saturday night. Vegas Golden Knights playing tonight. I'll be in the building. I'm going. I am totally locked in for this. Okay, get the bucket of Modelo's lined up for me because I'm going in there. I'm ready to roll. So that's happening tonight. Uh, The breaking news on the A's coming to terms on a deal with land on the other side on Tropicana across the 15 freeway, same side of the neighborhood of the Raiders. Uh, That story broke last night, and a lot of people want to get my opinion on that, and we'll get to that here in the monologue. If you want to get through on that topic, a couple of quick things. Uh, The number, as you know, 702-365-9200. If you want to get in on that topic, which is a massive topic today, go ahead and call in because we do have a couple of guests here. Dave Gosher at the bottom of the hour from the Golden Knights broadcast. I mentioned Kevin Ioli and Levi Edwards inside the Raider facility as we are a week. We're a week away from the NFL draft and all of our coverage. In regards to the A's, first announcement, this is not the Oakland A's flagship station. I repeat again, this is not a propaganda machine in the home of the Oakland Athletics, possibly soon to be the Las Vegas Athletics if that happens. This is not the flagship. I worked on the flagship of the A's flagship in the Bay Area And it was one of the worst-run situations I've ever seen in my life. So this two hours of this show, and I can speak for other shows actually on this. This is in my lane. I know when to stay in my lane. This will not be the home of the Oakland A's on radio for their fans to spew propaganda here for the next two or three years before that stadium, if it's built, if they come or not. So that is a fact. But I've never kept a caller off the air. Never kept a caller off the air unless they say something personal or disrespectful about other people. So if you want to call in on this topic and what it means, everybody knows if you've been listening to me for 20 minutes or 20 years, I am not in favor of this deal. I'm not in favor of this deal because I had a front row seat to the Oakland Athletics squatting on the Raiders' land, squatting on that lease, and then doing one of the dirtiest deals in the history of Oakland sports, going behind Mark Davis and the Raiders and those who were there at the time, Mark Bedane, then the president, a lot of other people who are no longer here, going around the curve, squatting on that lease and doing a bad deal on a 10-year lease, which was the beginning of the end of the Raiders in Oakland. Okay, so that's fact. I had a front-row seat to the meetings, to the radio, to all the players and all of that. 
Okay, and Major League Baseball is desperate now because they have to get the A's out of Oakland because the A's have historically embarrassed that city as much as any sports team has ever embarrassed the city in recent times. So it's a complete dumpster fire train wreck up there. Now, as I've said before, I, I know good people who work for the Oakland A's. There is a crossover of their fans, Raider fans and A's fans. They're brothers and sisters, and I understand that. And I've never been anti-A's. I'm a Yankee fan. This stadium, if it comes, will be good for me because I'll have those behind-the-dugout seats, I promise you, for that three-game series. Also, if you've been listening to me, I'm pro-business. I want business. We have a lot of customers and a lot of clients on the show. I met with two of them this morning. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde are our law partners here on the show. Everybody has differing opinions. So a lot of people want to bring economic impact to the Valley here and do that. No one will do it at the level of the Raiders and Mr. Foley over with the Golden Knights. And the Raiders and the Golden Knights get along really good. They get along really good. Also, I'm a jobs guy. I'm a jobs guy. If I was running for for an office, I'd be the jobs guy. And Tommy White and the local 872 are unbelievable at taking dirt and building beautiful arenas and stadiums. And that's a good thing. And again, this could evolve and change at some point in time. But I had a front row seat to the bad blood that the A's caused to the Raiders. And no one was perfect. Mark Davis wasn't perfect with everything. Either with the A's and the Warriors when they went to San Francisco, this is not a perfect world we live in. Not everybody was their best on every day. But my loyalty to the Raiders is evident. And I've seen what the A's have done to their fans. And I know what the A's are doing to try to get out of Oakland, and I understand that and come here. And I know that there's no other way to spin this. The A's are absolutely ripping off the plan of Mark Davis and the people who have worked with him over the years to bring the Raiders to this valley. And they are copying that blueprint so much so that they're going for the dirt on that side of the the street where Allegiant Stadium is down the road. So that's it. Can I evolve on this topic? I hope so. I'm evolving as a father, a husband, a sports talk host. I think a human being. If if, if something changes in the next year or two and everybody's getting along great in the sandbox and everybody else is good, I'll be good. I'd love to have a beer and watch baseball. But I know the inner workings of this deal and what has happened over the last 8 to 10 years better than anyone in the history of Vegas on the radio or writing columns about it. Not that they're not good at that, too, but I know the inner workings of what happened here. Mostly from one side, the Raiders' side, but I'm just throwing it all out here. So when you look at this, there is no doubt about it that they couldn't get a deal done in Oakland. As I put out in a blog post today on Facebook at JT The Brick, if you want to read it, Took me a while to write it. Oakland has the worst politicians in the history of political sports. That's it. There's bad politicians everywhere, and there's some good ones. And our country is divided by politics. We're divided more so than we've ever been. But the problem here is I'm looking at Oakland in the East Bay. The Raiders are gone, the Warriors are gone, and the A's are going to be gone if this is true and something doesn't happen and the deal doesn't blow up. With all of that there, from Libby Schaaf to the new mayor to other politicians, back to the JPA, who was ever involved in Oakland politics, they have destroyed, they have destroyed one of the most vibrant communities in the history of sports. Home of the world champion Oakland Raiders, home of the world champion Oakland A's, and the global brand of the Golden State Warriors based in Oakland. 
They've destroyed all that because politicians who don't understand sports think the roads are going to be better, the hospitals are going to be better. None of it gets better. Have you been to Oakland? Have you been to Fruitvale? Have you been to West Oakland? Have you been to the Coliseum? I talked to someone off the record from the Coliseum the other day who said, quote, I'm embarrassed to park, put on my badge, and go in this building. What they've done, there is graffiti on the Oakland Coliseum that the A's have not cleaned up. There is graffiti on the Oakland Coliseum, and that owner is a part of that, and you think that ownership group's going to come here and do what? What are they going to do? They're going to run the team better? They're historically good at a couple of things. They have good minor leagues because the minor leagues doesn't cost a lot to fund and pay players. And then all their good players leave. They all leave, period, because the, the owner, one of the richest in all the sports, and especially baseball, Mr. Fisher doesn't want to pay anybody. Never has, never will. But all of a sudden that's going to change when he comes to Vegas. When Mark Davis, When Al Davis was moving the Raiders, from L.A. back, Mr. Davis was funding that team with world championship players. In Oakland, Plunkett's and the boys who won two Super Bowls after Snake did it there. There was never a question, does Mr. Davis want to win? Does Mr. Davis, Al Davis, want to win? They're moving. He's in court. There's Irwindale. There's Los Angeles. He's in front of a courthouse. There was never a question. Al Davis wanted to win that Sunday more than anyone who has ever been in sports. His son, Mark, Wants to win more than anyone I know. Every time Mark, I talk to Mark, he wants to win. But there's business going on. you got to move the team. Politics. Squatting on the lease. 10-year lease behind your back. Carson, California. Getting the vote, then they take the vote away. They give it to Kroenke. And then we come here, and it's been the greatest blessing in disguise. Now, the play on the field hasn't been perfect with the Raiders. We're all aware of that. The draft's coming up. And we'll dive into the draft. And what can happen? But as a business model, Mark Davis's legacy, along with several other people that help him get here, Governor Sandoval, uh, everybody around the scenes, the business developers, every Mr. Adelson, who, who who's been praised by the Raiders for what he did to initially help Napoleon McCallum, my great friend, others who have been here before, Mark Bedane, the former president, our current president, Sandra Douglas Morgan, everybody involved who is here now. It was controlling what's happening now, or especially I bring up in the past because they rolled up their sleeves to move here. They did it the right way. Let me ask you this. Do you think the A's will be put through the same fire that the Raiders were? Do you think the A's will run their organization the way the Raiders have in the community? In the community? And what they've done with hiring practice and this and that. And nothing's perfect. There's changes. There's people that come and go. We get all that. We've read the paper. But will the A's run their organization and switch and flip and run a world championship organization a couple of years from now? I don't know. And what I think would be the best case scenario for me, because this is distracting to the fans in Oakland. This is really hard. I've talked to three or four Oakland fans today who called me directly who are really upset about this move. The same fans who were initially upset about the Raiders moving, but then they kind of understood the economic impact and what happened, and they saw what was happening in Oakland. I will tell you that the only thing that could get me to maybe move more to the middle on this topic, which I hope it happens, which would be new ownership. If Mr. Fisher sells the team and Dave Cavill is not involved with this team, uh, I I will be fine I will be fine on this deal if it turns out there's new ownership under a new vision in Southern Nevada who are going to run the A's and run it to the highest level if they come here. And again, I'm not sure if they're coming here. We've heard this song and dance for a while. 
in regards to the dirt and the location there. No, I have no comment on that. It's, some people thought it was going to happen on the concert fairgrounds on the Strip, across from Sahara, across the street from Resorts World, all of that. I think that location, would it be at the Rio? They demolished the Rio. What they're doing here on this land. I've known, that, I've known this land for a while because I've been out here for a while. It is a good piece of land. It's on the other side of the 15, just like the Raiders. That whole area can be developed. The Raiders are developing their piece. All of that will save that for 2027. If, if they end up getting here. But in general, there's nothing that bothers me more than fans that lose teams. I would say nothing, or at least on my Mount Rushmore, is having to, my whole career, have to walk fans off the ledge when they're going to lose their team. Some fan bases deserve to lose their team. Like, I believe the New Orleans Pelicans should be the Las Vegas, and get rid of that crappy name. Who would ever name anything a Pelican, right? So the Pelicans are going to go out of business. They have no model that they can succeed in New Orleans. Bring them to Vegas. Bring them to Vegas, and let's have an NBA team there. I'd be all for that. Or expansion and all of this. But this one doesn't hurt me because I'm not an A's fan, but I know a lot of A's fans. I know a ton of them, and they're Raider fans. And this one, the Raiders was a gut punch when they left, and this is another gut punch because... The Raiders are gone. Does anybody get this other than me? The Raiders aren't there anymore in Oakland. You got the dirt. You got the Coliseum dirt. No one wants to go to the Howard Terminal and do what? Have you seen the neighborhood across the street from the Howard Terminal? You think you can put anything there? No one wants to go there, and the A's should have copied the San Francisco Giants. When the Giants, I was living at the ballpark, living with my wife, no kids, It was a long time ago as they built the ballpark in San Francisco. I went on the radio and said, you know what the A's should do? Exactly copy what San Francisco's doing. Go to the edge of the water in the East Bay, right where a crow flies to San Francisco's new baseball ballpark. Do the same thing. Do that. They didn't do that. And now the A's are sitting there and they're using Las Vegas as a pawn. Okay? I can promise you from knowing Mark Davis as well as I do, he never used Las Vegas as a pawn. He wanted to stay in Oakland for a really long time and busted his ass to do it. And again, not everything was perfect. It's tough to deal with the A's, the politicians, the fans, and all that. But the goal was to keep the team in Oakland. There was no goal from this owner to keep the team in Oakland. Period. Mr. Fisher did not want this team to stay in Oakland. And again, I think the good thing that could come out of this, which would be really positive for me, and I would tone it down, is if he, he, used, he uses Las Vegas to sell the team. He uses Las Vegas. I don't know if Frank and Lorenzo Fertitta, because it's their land, want to buy the A's. I don't know if there's someone else. But the last I looked, the East Bay and the Bay Area had some of the richest human beings in the world. Google, Apple, now Meta, all of that. There's more bleeping money in the East Bay and the Bay Area going down to Silicon Valley and Sand Hill Road where all that money could have came together and the A's could have had the entire Coliseum to themselves. With a BART stop, they could have, like I said, I don't think anybody wants to go to Oakland to have a steak. You know, like I said that. You know, they don't want to go to an Oakland A's game and stay in a developed area to have a steak. They want to go home. But they could have did wonders up there, and they still can, I thought, at the Coliseum. And the Raiders left. And the Raiders left to the best of their ability, and the Oakland A's had all of that with an owner that had more net worth at the time and still does than Mark Davis, an owner that could have did what Mr. Kroenke did in Los Angeles. I'll build it. I'll, I'll pour the dirt. I'll do this. I can do it all with my cash. They have that type of owner in Oakland, and he refused not to do it. So, again... 
I saw the Oakland A's up close squat on a lease that ran the Raiders or helped the Raiders move out of Oakland, which didn't need to happen, and the A's had a lot to do with that. The people change? Absolutely. There's new executives on both teams. Everybody can play nice in the sandbox eventually. But as I see this news today, the only thing that would make me happy and I think could possibly happy, uh, be happy here is if Mr. Fisher moves the team here with the only intention to sell it. He gets the stadium approved. They build it. It's a, it's a majestic ballpark. The price, of the, the price of the A's go up by a billion, a billion and a half dollars, and he sells it. Some, else, some guy else comes in and wants to buy the team. A lady wants to buy the team, and then they have real owners who want to win and care about winning. That's the way I see that. Again, and as I wrap up the monologue, I want to make this point again. Today's a special day. We got the Raiders draft and all this. I don't know what's going to happen on other radio stations in town, but this is not the flagship of the Oakland A's. It's the flagship of the Las Vegas Raiders, the Vegas Golden Knights, UNLV Athletics, and a lot of other properties here in town, not the A's. And I I would imagine, knowing the A's the way I do, that they'd want to squat on this radio station and squat on my radio show because that's that's how they run their operation. As they don't have a radio station, they have a streaming show. We stream well, too. We stream a lot bigger. But my point is, you can tell how motivated I am on this topic because it's not official yet. But there are so many people who have no clue the background of this story. And they're like, let's go buy Julie and little Johnny a, a baseball glove. They're three. Let's make him an A's fan. That's great. I care more about Don Logan, my friend, up at the Aviators. That's where I live. I can walk to the ballpark. That ballpark is going to be nicer than the majority of what the A's are going to develop. I can tell you that. You go to Summerlin and see that ballpark. If the A's want to play there for a year or two, I don't know. That's not my lane. I don't know where they're going to play, what they're going to do. But the Raiders didn't come here and play at Sam Boyd because Mark Davis didn't want to lessen the value of you seeing a Legion Stadium for the first time. Mark Davis wanted you to see the Raiders in the brand-new Allegiant Stadium without having to do a year of windstorms over at the Sam Boyd out there. And the A's got a decision to make. I don't know where they're going to play leading up to 2027, but if they play here and they get to play at the ballpark there, I'll be there for the Yankee games. 702-365-9200. Chris in West Oakland starts us off, as always. What do you think about this deal, Chris? Well, you know, JT, I said this. This is a tough one for me, and I'm gonna. I'm number one. I'm glad you stated what you did at the beginning. You've always been consistent and steadfast. You never wanted the Raiders to leave Oakland, even though it's better for you in Vegas. And I know you don't want to see the A's there because, again, while you're not an A's fan, me and you have been to a lot of ball games at that stadium together. I know you appreciate what it means to be a fan. And it's, and what I want to get to before I get to the business end and the personal end of this. There is a standing offer to buy the A's, and it's been for 10 years. Joe Lacob of the Warriors wanted to buy the A's 12 years ago, but Selig turned him down for his frat buddy Lou Wolf, who was partnered with John Fisher. Joe Lacob still wants to buy the A's. John Fisher has done nothing with this team other than a bottom-line investment. And I'm glad you also said the Warriors moved across the bay. They were putting championship teams on the, on the court. The Raiders, up until the time they moved, were playing to sell out crowds and spending money. 
This what John Fisher has done to baseball in Oakland is criminal. And Rob Manfred's not blameless either. And I wish John Fisher wouldn't be rewarded. I wish they'd force him to sell the team because baseball has an antitrust exception. There's a lot more the commissioner can actually do than the commissioner in the other sports. But Rob Manfred has chosen to let the movie Major League play out right in front of his eyes. But instead of the glorious ending and of them going to the World Series, we're going to get screwed and lose another sports team. So let me get to the city of Oakland. Screw the city of Oakland also. There's a reason the Raiders have left twice, the Warriors moved across the bay, and now the A's are looking, looking to leave. But in all of these, as bad as Oakland is, I believe this is the worst. I don't think John Fisher ever wanted to build a ballpark in Oakland. He certainly wasn't going to spend his own money. Again, for three years running, JT, five years now, since John Fisher's taken over, they've raised the ticket prices every year while getting rid of a playoff team on the field. Only, only five teams have made the playoffs and won the World Series more than the A's since the A's have been in Oakland. And 12 times in the last, since, just since the turn of the century, the A's have been in the postseason. This is not the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is not the Miami Marlins, even though the Marlins have won a couple of World Series. The A's are one of the marquee franchises in all of baseball with the success to go along with it. It's criminal, absolutely criminal. And as a fan, JT, I'm tired of getting kicked in the balls by my teams in Oakland, conjunction with the, the, the incompetent city management that does absolutely nothing other than watch teams leave. But from the personal level, JT, this is what hurts the most. When I drive by the Coliseum, I think all the times I spent with my dad there. My little boys with my dad before he passed away. Now knowing I'm never going to be able to take my three-year-old grandson to an A's game, to a Raider game. Why? All because of greed. John Fisher, you don't need an extra billion. Sell the team to Joe Lacob. He'll build the stadium right on the Coliseum grounds, which everybody knows is ready to build right now. This whole thing about Howard Terminal was nothing but a freaking smokescreen. I got so much more to say on this, JT. I'll probably save it for the night show because what I really want to do is cuss. But I'm going to leave it with this. When it comes to John Fisher and the city of Oakland, I'm going to leave the words of the late, great Pete Franklin, who was a pioneer in your industry, a pox on both of their houses. Screw Oakland, screw Dave Cavill, and screw John Fisher. And if the Oakland A's leave, I will probably be done with Major League Baseball because 81 home games you can't follow like I can eight. I can go to seven or eight Raider games. I can't go to 40 A's games like I used to. And with what that put product they've been putting on the field the last five years, why would anybody want to? Thank you, my friend. I've got much more to say on this subject. I'll save it for another day or your okay. night show. Thanks Later. a lot, Chris. Appreciate it. Really emotionally, almost broke down there because he's got a new grandson, and it's tough. Yeah, it's tough when that happens there, no doubt about that. Very emotional call on that point, and I understand where he's coming from with all of this. And the A's have done about as little as you can possibly do to keep a team or try to keep a team in good faith in Oakland. And the politicians are awful. And again, do I lean to the Raiders? Absolutely I lean to the Raiders. That will never change as I'm with the company. But again, if there's new ownership with the A's and it works out well for this community, I won't be the first on board, but I could change my mind. This is a team that needs to sell if they're going to come here. It's going to be so far off in the distance, but it's an important topic today because the rest of the city, you know, a lot of people have pom-poms out, which is fine. A lot of people like me don't believe in the group that's coming here. Other people are kind of 50-50 lukewarm. That's why we're taking calls on it for a little bit. Uh, We'll have Goach coming up on the bottom of the hour. Stoner Dude. 
checking in a week ahead of the draft. Can't wait to see you at the Black Hole Party and around town. What's happening? Yeah, JT, I really hate to hear my good friend Chris from West Oakland. You know, so much stress and angst out there. I got one one answer for that. Happy 420, yes, JT 420. and Bobby Machado. You know, there are other things to celebrate today, by the way. Yeah, and speaking of Bobby Machado, not only an excellent producer, but an astute aficionado and a rock album historian. I'm yes. a big fan. And yeah, JT, I want to talk about the draft, and I'll be at the Black Hole draft party. You know, every year I feel like a broken record, JT. I keep saying, I've been doing this for 20 years, 25 years. I want a defensive tackle. Now now everybody wants a defensive tackle because it's an obvious position we need to fill. And it's a position we haven't even touched since the offseason in free agency or any otherwise. So I'm even going further in, JT. I want two defensive tackles. I want to use that seventh pick, move up, or I want to go to sit there and get whoever the best I can. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Jalen Carter, imagine Adam, Brian, Brissy, and Jalen Carter. We need a presence in the middle of the field to go get quarterbacks. How many times have we seen opposing quarterbacks drop back with all the time in the world and throw the ball downfield to wide-open receivers? We can't see that anymore, JT. So I want uh, the top three uh, rounds, I want two starting defensive tackles. Other than that, JT, a couple of linebackers wouldn't help either or wouldn't hurt either. Uh, I'm going to go celebrate my uh, 420, JT. I'm going to run. Put Rush twenty one twelve in continuous loop. <laughs> take a trip on a passage to Bangkok, and I'll talk to y'all later. Take, take care, Stoner dude, a diehard fan. Uh, Bobby, that could change. Maybe you need a four twenty theme today as you partake. You maybe maybe you have a four twenty. We oh by the way, happy birthday. I don't want to say by the way a lot because there's another guy who does that. I don't do that. Uh, today's my sister's birthday, April twentieth. My sister Jill, my youngest sister, her birthday today. So we will celebrate that. All right, that was a riveting 25 minutes of radio with some calls, and we got more coming up on the A's and the deal for the dirt down here at, oh, right where Dropicana is. Oh, that, that, that won't lead to more traffic. But, again, I don't mind traffic. I take Ubers all around town. I get, I'm get nine miles away from the Strip in Summerlin. Nine miles, that's it. I get there in 15 minutes. I'm taking a new my, – my wife might drop me off tonight over at beautiful T-Mobile. It's easy to get around this town, but – there could be some construction coming up. We are brought to you by our great friends at Resorts World, Scott Sabella's vision of a sports book inside Doghouse Saloon with entertainment when a concert comes out. And you'll always find me at 8 Cigar Lounge having a great cigar. Love it. The best cigar bar I've ever been to, and I've been to a bunch, the Grand Havana Room in New York, the one in Beverly Hills, other small ones around town and around the world, 8 Cigar Lounge is where you'll find me. I love it there. Dave Gocher. The voice of the Knights on TV. This is a must-win tonight for VGK. They gotta be ready. Down the left wall, take it away. Marshall rink wide left across the line. Barbashev to the middle. William Carlson! The Golden Knights are on the board. William Carlson has the first biggest playoffs goal of the year. After 14 in the regular season, he has the first in the playoffs for the Knights. They now trail 2-1 with 4-11 to go in the second period. 
All right, the great Dan Duber on the call. JT, back with you. A lot of breaking news today, but I'll be in the building tonight for the Golden Knights and a must-win. Dave Gosher, kind enough to join us. Our teammate here in radio on the Golden Knights TV voice. Gosh, the second I call you, I lose my blue check mark and you lose yours. Will we survive tonight without our blue Twitter check mark? I swear it just happened in front of me. That's great. I don't know if I ever had one, JT, but uh, <laughs> some of your stature, I'm sure you did. Um, you know, I said to somebody this morning, I said, I don't know, like maybe it's just an age thing. My <laughs> life was fine before Twitter. My life will be fine after Twitter if there ever is one after Twitter. So somehow I'm going to have to try to battle my way through the day with or without the blue check mark. Yeah, I can't pay for it to get it back because I'm paying for two in college out of state. <laughs> so I can't afford that. Would That to me would be bowing down. Uh, listen, I've talked to a lot of people behind the scenes and people in hockey about this series. And one of the things that jump out at me is a good friend high up in the NHL said that the only way Winnipeg can win is if they really get in the face, harass, try to be really physical, punky, hands in face, elbows, shots here and there, and try to intimidate the Golden Knights, who aren't going to be intimidated. They're the number one seed in this conference here, winning the Pacific. But, man, Winnipeg looked really good and dominant. What happened in that first game? Yeah, I don't know, JT, if it was the Golden Knights. Um, you know, they'd love to dictate how the game goes. And for them, you know, there's two words that jumped out this morning in talking to some people at, over at City National, and that was urgency and execution. They didn't have enough in either area, you know. And I think for them, you know, the early, their forecheck was decent. You know, I'm sure you remember uh, Brett Houghton had a real good chance off a, a Nick Waugh forecheck in the first five minutes or so, I think, of the game. But they just – that's not the team – that we saw put up 111 points this season. They just did not – they didn't have it. I mean, you can go right down the lineup. I, mean, I was jotting down some, some notes this morning. When you've got guys like, you know, Jonathan Marshall, on no shots, Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, Alex Petrangelo, you can go right on down the line. Um, so, you know, your, your best players, I think, at this time of year have to kind of lead the way. Your Jets' best players did lead the way, that line of Dubois with, with Shifley and Wheeler. So – um, I, you know, we asked assistant coach Ryan Craig this morning. I said, all right, when does the when does the reset kick in for you guys? And he said, you know, probably after we left the rink yesterday, came in, addressed it, had a video session. And I think the guys probably felt better leaving the rink yesterday afternoon than they did coming into it. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting topic. You've covered so much hockey in your great career. When you see a team come out flat or not flying or not playing, knowing it means so much to them and they earned. Look look at what we talked about here, Dave, over the last month about Edmonton chasing them down and to try to keep it getting a point instead of losing a game, getting a shootout point here or an overtime point, and then you fight that hard and then you get to your home ice to start off a series and you just get beat and you get beat badly so I can imagine that this will be probably one of the most motivated games they've ever played considering what's at stake at home I would be greatly surprised if they were not dramatically better tonight now you could say well it's you know the bar is pretty low from what they have what happened in game one yeah and that's that's certainly valid but you know it's a team JT that hasn't really they haven't had many real dips in their play prolonged dips in their play you can't afford it on the playoffs or, or any team will be out but they haven't lost two in a row in regulation since I think it was a three-game stretch back in January. So they've responded pretty well to off nights, um, be it regular season, and I guess we'll see how this group handles it in the playoffs. I don't think it's unique to this team, and I know we focus on 
on the VGK. The note I saw the other day was six of the first eight games in the playoffs were won by the road team for the first time in 20 years. Probably all sorts of reasons for that, but from the Golden Knights standpoint, they've been really good at home, especially like post All-Star break on, you know, home or away, but especially at home. And, and hopefully, you know, we see more of that team than what we saw Tuesday night. Dave Gosher is our guest, part of our broadcast team here. Great job as the TV voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, so tell me more about Winnipeg's goaltender and how he is maybe a comp around the league, his size, his strength, his agility, and the concern where should Vegas shoot because he looked good in that first game and he's a guy that can carry a team throughout a series. Yeah, it looked good, JT, but I would say I didn't, I didn't think he had to do a lot. You know, yeah. I mean, 17 shots is the fewest the Golden Knights have ever had in the playoff game, and uh, the, the fewest they've ever had in a home game, period. So, um, it, look, if it's going to be another night like that, then the results aren't going to be there for the Golden Knights. You know, where he's vulnerable, and, and I was talking to our uh, one of our uh, analysts, Darren Elliott, who uh, played in the NHL and played uh, in the Olympics for Canada a long time ago. He said he's Remember that old, uh, it was a great phrase by him, remember that old pitchback toy we used to have as kids? Remember you'd <laughs> sure. throw the ball over yeah. it? It would bounce right off the screen back at you. He said, you know, if you can get pucks at his feet or get it low on his pads, his, he, he said he's like a pitchback. The rebounds are there. The pucks will bounce off him. Um, I think that's an area the Golden Knights will try to, try to get to tonight. Make him make some saves low, but also make him work a lot harder than – than he did the other night. I was, you know, talking to some of the guys over at the rink this morning, and I said, "How many hard saves did he have the other night?" You know, you you played the Carlson goal going into this segment. And that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. fine. But I don't really. I try to jot down really good scoring chances as the as the game goes on to refer back to them. I didn't write down many. I don't know if I wrote down five for the Golden Knights. Uh, Golden Knights on Tuesday. So you know, that's going to have to change. And and I think if that changes, if they make life more difficult. On him, I think the results are likely to change, too. Uh, Dave Gosher, as we wrap it up. Dave, I wasn't impressed with Mark Stone, but I know there was a long layoff there. He looked rusty. He admitted to that. Uh, this is an important piece. This is the captain, and eventually you want him lifting the cup at home and winning it. And everyone's talking about the Bruins, a team that you're familiar with back in the day. And you look at everything that's happening here. This is the captain coming back, clearly not at his best yet. It's going to take a couple of games. The matchup with him and Eichel and what's going to need to happen with Marcus Carlson, the snipers, to get going because I saw a lot of pucks held on to in the extra pass in game one when guys had really good angles to shoot and they didn't do that. We should expect a lot more shots on goal and much faster play. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think that it's an area Bruce Cassidy's kind of touched on, you know, that this team at times, and, and look, I, I try to keep in the back of my mind, they, they won 51 games this year, but at times they do get into a, you know, they're, they're guilty of maybe overpassing. And I think I saw that a little bit the other night. It, it happens on the power play, and, you know, we, we, could, we don't have enough time to kind of go through the, the power play and, and some of the issues they've had on that. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um, yeah, I think much more of, a, of an urgency to, to shoot the puck first off uh, and then to get people to the net to make sure that, you know, Hellebuck either doesn't see it or if he does see it and there's a rebound there, that it's, that it's there for the taking. And I agree with you on Mark Stone. Look, he's, he, he looked like somebody that had not played a game in three months. And now he's going from playing in the middle of January to jumping into the, the first game of the playoffs. All that being said, they didn't hold back his ice time. He let all Golden mm-hmm. Knights forwards in ice time with uh, just about 21 and a half minutes. So I think – you know, right on down the line, um, I, I was saying a, a friend of mine after the game the other night, it would be easier to list the guys that 
that kind of jumped out at you in a good way in game one than, than the other way around. I think there'll be a long list of guys that had off nights. So, yeah, I think you're, you know, back to what I mentioned earlier, your best guys, I think, have to lead the way, and they have for this team most of the season. Um, and I don't think there's much – I don't sense really any panic with this group. It's a pretty veteran team. So, yeah. um, you know, you mentioned the Bruins, my old stopping grounds. They're 1-1 in their yeah. playoff series, and they, they shattered all sorts of records this year. So, um, I, as I say, I would expect the Golden Knights to be much more like the team that we that we saw most of the season tonight. Absolutely. I'll see you there, Dave. Thanks for making time today, especially on game day. Really appreciate you. Anytime, JT. Take you got care. it. Dave Gosher, really good at what he does. Appreciate that. Look, I addressed the physicality of the Jets. Okay, the biggest team in the league. I am telling you from the inside of this debate, from talking to people who are connected to the team we're playing tonight, you thought game one was one thing? Wait till you see tonight. Watch me and watch the game, okay? Listen to me and watch the game. They're going to take cheap shots. They're going to harass. They're going to verbally harass Vegas to get into fights, to take penalties. They're going to throw elbows. They're going to do what they were told to do. They are not the better team. They said get Vegas off their mark. Make them uncomfortable. Get chippy with them, and they did, and it got chippy at the end. Vegas is going to come out flying in the first 10 minutes of this game. Don't take the bait. Because Winnipeg's going to want to get a fight going. They want to going to see Vegas take a penalty. Winnipeg's going to slash. They're going to do something to get the crowd going and to get Vegas to feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm telling you, it's going to happen because I heard it from the inside. And they better be ready for it. This is going to be an amazing night tonight. I thought game one would. Vegas didn't show up. They better show up tonight. How about this for a guest? Who just called me and said he needs to come on now? Foo! Phil Villapiano's out west for the Bolitnikoff golf tournament on Monday. Phil wants to tell us about the draft and defense. Phil Villapiano, what a guest. What a lineup today. Kevin Ioli, Levi Edwards, Dave Gosher. We roll hard every day on the flagship. another different formation. Barnwell and Branch to the left and Allen was split to the right. And it's Branch for touchdown. Anthony Washington the defender. That was a quick move he made here. Yes sir. Watch Plunkett. He sees him right now. He says I got him. Right over there and drill it in there to Cliff Branch wide open. How about that? That sounded unbelievable. As we open it up right here and get going, uh, 702-365-9200 is our number. The great Phil Villapiano joins us. Foo, we just played a soundbite. Pat Summerall, John Madden, Cliff Branch, touchdown from Plunkett. Does it get any better, Foo? Well, that, uh, JT, that sounded just too easy. How come we, <laughs> we don't get a touchdown that easy anymore? That was beautiful thing. Phil, I talked to you the other day. I told the audience... Look, there's a lot that happens out. We have a new, new regime that I'm completely behind. Dave Ziegler's getting ready for the draft. I'm all defense. You're all defense. The middle of the field has been wide open. The linebackers haven't been able to cover in space. I think the safeties played too deep. How do you fix this? And I think the only way you can is in the draft by getting three to four impact starters. How do you see it? Wow. That's, that, you know, that's a lot to ask for, JT. But good coaching could get, you know, move kids along a little quicker. So you bring, you just got to find the right fit, the right 
athletes. And, you know, I don't want them to be the dancers in the end zones. I, I don't want any bullshit. Foo, 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 no be Food, foo, we're not on satellite. We got to get you in, in line, we told. All right, so it's, we're good. No, no, no BS is the term we use. But you're right. Okay. You, you want to you see this flip. You want to see this flip with one good draft of multiple defensive players who can step in. It can happen, JT. It really could happen. As a matter of fact, I remember, how about 1971? Jack Tatum, Phil Villapiano, and Horace Jones, three starters on defense in one year. It can happen uh, with good coaching and with with a good draft picks. And uh, they're out there. I see so many guys, and, you know, I don't care who they're playing against. When You know, you watch those bowl games or – you know, and, and it's a mid-American conference. There's players there. We just got to find them, develop them quick. And you're absolutely right. We didn't. We couldn't stop anybody in the, on those last drives last year. It was sickening. But you know, JT, I'm thinking more than that. More than that. Even though we have to find those players, and we can find them, we got to stop Kelsey. We got to stop Mahomes. You got to stop the Kansas City Chiefs, or we're not going to the playoffs. And I think, you know, just like I remember when uh, Al Davis drafted uh, Gene Upshaw mm-hmm. just to block Buck Buchanan. Right. So why don't we go out and find somebody of size that can run with Kelsey? I agree with you. I agree with you. You're right about that. Forget it. Let's match up with with, with the guys that hurt us the most. And then we go find a guy that can can mirror Mahomes and he doesn't get the run anymore. Or if he does get the run, he gets hurt. You know, Mm -hmm. we smash him. Hey Phil, That's let me yeah, yeah Phil Phil let me ask you this. Phil Villapiano joins us, Super Bowl champion. George Atkinson was not a big man, didn't carry a lot of weight. What he did to Russ Francis off the line of scrimmage and over the middle of the field, what George was able to do to Lynn Swan, a Hall of Famer, the intimidation factor, and again in this league, you don't want fifteen yard penalties, you don't want to injure people on purpose, but the Raiders that you played with, you can't open O.J. Simpson. You ripped his helmet off. It was one of the most violent tackles I've still ever seen in my life. The aggression to put people on the ground. I don't care who they get here. They gotta have at least one or two alphas other than Max Crosby. You call me a lot on Max Crosby. You think Max Crosby could have played in your era or an era 50 years from now. He's that type of player you gotta build with. Uh, Absolutely. And I think Max Crosby has got to take over the locker room. We need more Max Crosby's, or we need more guys trying as hard as Max Crosby tries on every single down. I don't care what the score was. That kid is still coming. He is he is a team leader. And, it, it, you know, whether it's going to be offense or defense this year, but you and I both love the D. JT. So let's take a Max Crosby and let's let all these kids know this is your role model. And Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, I remember coming off the field and the worst thing in the world is to miss the tackle. And John Madden would give you the stare. But how about George Blanda and Jim Otto? They come up and get in your face. You never want to miss a tackle. That's where Max Crosby's got to come in. Or our guy Garoppolo, 
I was thinking about it this morning, JT, because about this phone call. I said, this guy could be the snake. He could be the snake. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got the moves. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's he's a team leader. He's already been coached by McDaniels. This, there's so many things that line up good, but we need an offensive leader, a locker room guy, and one that you don't want to go into the locker room if you lose. Yeah. You know? And I think we've got so many of the right pieces. Man, we just got we yeah. just got to get them all playing together and. And, and, you know, yeah. John Madden's always thing was players play, coaches, coaches coach, coach, and owners own. And our coach has got to step up with the right uh, complicated, I don't know if it's going to be complicated mm. is the word, or maybe just out and out nasty defense, but we got to step yeah. up. we got to have something to stop these teams, which we didn't have last year. And then we got to. On offense, we got to get the ball in the end zone. Phil Villapiano awesome. joins us, the, the great foo. Phil, finally, you and I were talking the other day about the Super Bowl. You had one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history, dislodging a ball, turning the momentum around. But I'm, I'm talking about the era now where guys only play first and second down. They come off the field. I asked about your career at the end in Buffalo. You told me a story I never heard about you and Ted Hendricks getting pulled out of the game in the Super Bowl, and you were both there in the Super Bowl in front of 100,000 people in shock. Uh, tell us that story again of how players get subbed in and out, and you were surprised. Maybe it started right around that era. Well, that's that's exactly when it started. And, uh, you know, we had Charlie Phillips on the bench, and we had Neil Colsey on the bench. These guys are thoroughbreds. But, you know, they're thoroughbreds when it comes down to covering people. And Ted, we had the Vikings, we had them on the ropes, and, and they were not coming back. And all of a sudden, onto the field comes Charlie and Neil, and, and, and they, you know, tapped me and Ted, and we went off the sideline, and Hendricks grabbed my hand like we were two little girls leaving the field. And, that's, and we went right up to Shinnick and said, what are you doing? Well, no, lo and behold, the next drive, touchdown. And then, then all of a sudden, we're back in there. But that's when all the substituting started. And, you know, when, when people come at, come at you with five, you know, wide receivers, you got to go. You got you to make those substitutions. Yeah. But I think up front, I think up front in that Arizona game, JT, remember you and I talked about this after the game. We got all these uh, linebackers on the bench, to get guys that could run. We got fresh guys. That's the time you, when you when – you, a substitute when he got a quarterback this uh, like Kyler Murray running around uh, running around like a kid who stole a cell phone at a kid's party that's crazy no one can tackle him hey Phil finally we got to go but you're coming out for Freddy's tournament you'll be here Sunday yes. Monday and I know you and Mike Ciani are going to have a little trip after that so you guys are going to be out here for a few days here in the sun-drenched skies of Las Vegas can't wait to uh, see you on Monday I can't wait to get there hey JT I can't wait to get there and then one of the most beautiful things Art Toms is putting together uh, a party for a luncheon for John Vela, mm-hmm. who's not doing very well. We got about eleven uh, older, wow. you know, Raiders showing up for Johnny. I can't wait to see him and uh, you know give him a give a him a hug, hug for us. I'll, I'll certainly tell him you said hello. Please do, me. Phil. All the best. I'll see you this weekend. Take care. Travel safe. Thank you, my buddy. That's Bye-bye. Phil Villapiano. Um, I didn't. I wasn't privy to say that, nor do I ever. But uh, I will say that John Vela is not doing well. John is one of the most important Raiders of all time. 
Uh, John's an impactful Raider. When I started with the Raiders, John Vela was the guy who put together all the party trips. So if you went on a Raider trip, when I started in 98, you booked it through John Vela. So you went through his group, and he put the packages together, and he was the guy that brought the Raider Nation. I don't want to get too emotional here. John would have him in New Orleans. I remember him coming up to me in New Orleans saying, true story, I had Snake, Freddie Bolitnikoff at the famous door for the New Orleans game, and he goes to me, he goes, how'd you get those guys here? And I go, I paid them. He goes, what'd you pay them? I go, that's between me and them, John. And he started laughing, and I bought him a drink. And he's like, he had a party around the corner. He had his guys there, and we just laughed about it years later. John Vela is, is he's with us, one of the sweetest human beings and greatest Raiders I've ever known. So a lot of the guys are going up to visit him, and Phil told you that, not me. So, again, maybe everybody who's listening in the Raider Nation can reach out to John Vela, have some positive thoughts going forward. Well, that hour flew by. Thanks to Phil Villapiano. Uh, we did have to, we had to warn him. We did have to warn him. We did warn him. Didn't work, but he's foo. He gets a pass. Dave Gosher was great. Kevin Ioli on the fight is going to be exceptional. You don't want to miss that. And more on the A's deal, potentially, to come to Vegas.